Hello, and welcome to Moms Talk Autism today. We have one of you with us today. (laughs) Yes, one of you, a special guest in the community, a mother mom, just like the rest of us. And she's going to tell us her journey and her story. So hang in there and we will jump right in and introduce you. When you become a mom, you never imagine your child getting an autism diagnosis. It feels like your dreams have shattered, like a framed photograph falling off your mantle, exploding into a thousand pieces. But instead of trying to glue those pieces back together, this community of moms is here to help you build a new dream, a better one. So join in the conversation as us moms talk autism. Okay. So for those listeners that have been with us for uh, at least a good set of time, maybe even from the very beginning for you, you guys get a lot more badges. We have Girl Scout badges to give out. We give them. Uh, But we've, if you've known, we've been um, pulling from our community of, of listeners out there for those that want to jump on and are willing to tell their story, their experience and their journeys and and those that we have had on, it has been some of your favorite episodes, quite frankly. So we have another special mom with us today. Her name is Colleen Johnson. And we we had our initial talk with her and literally she is just like one of us. I don't really know that you'll see a direct contrast um, <laughs> in our talking styles, our methods, our our think tanks or thought processes. Um, she has a very compelling, she's very compelling stories because she has not only one child, but two children that have uh, disabilities um, and are neurodivergent and uh, along with other unique, uh, which would we say was neurospicy kids. Neurospicy kids. Neurospicy. That's what we have. I love that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, she is, she is fresh on the lingo. Um, uh, so I'll, all that being said, I'm going to turn it over to Colleen and I want you to, you know, t- give us the background. Tell us about your kiddos, um, how you started, how you entered into this world. Um, and uh, I, and I think there will be a lot of people that resonate with it. So please, you have the floor. Thank you so yours. much. I was telling Shannon before we started, you guys are literally celebrities to me. I am just like so excited to be here today. This is like, thank you so, so much for, for having me. Um, but yeah, look at the celebrity. I love it. Celebrity (laughs) right here in the closet. In the closet. We're very high profile here. Amazing shoes. We love it. (laughs) Yes. Um, (laughs) anyway, continue, continue. So yeah, I'll just, I'll start at the beginning and tell my story and like, please feel free to jump in if you have any questions or anything. But, um, my husband, Jesse and I met in 2012 on the Fiddler on the Roof national tour. Um, I was a musical theater performer for many, many, many years, and my husband is a violinist, so he was the fiddler in the pit. And then we got married and decided to have a baby, so um, we had Eli in 2019, and my pregnancy and everything with him was picture perfect. Everything was wonderful. He was born a tish early at 36 weeks, um, but didn't spend any time in the NICU, and he was he was great. Everything was wonderful. I was living on cloud nine. And then at his four month well visit, 
um, we were at the pediatrician's office and the doctor found a lump on his perianal region. And the doctor essentially said, do not pass go, do not collect $200. I, I need you to go immediately to the hospital. You need to get this blood test immediately. And we need to figure out what's going on here because this could be really serious. So of course I'm driving to the hospital and just tears running down my face and, and my perfect baby, like what, what I, I thought he had cancer, you know, immediately. So a long slew of things happened in the next few months. Um, Eli had MRIs, biopsies, ultrasounds, exams. Um, we went to two of the biggest hospitals in Chicago and it was really hard to get um, a diagnosis of what actually was going on. And meanwhile, this lump that the doctor found, which at the time was the size of maybe like, like a peanut or something, um, was growing really, really rapidly. And it was in between his legs, like in the diaper area. Um, so then finally, we got a diagnosis. I think it was in February of 2020. It was right, right after his first birthday. Um, and it was a lipoblastoma, which is essentially, it's a very rare tumor. And this specific tumor grows um, really rapidly whenever it's hit. The way that the, the doctor described it to me, she said, it's like a sponge. So every time he sits or stands, and mind you, so he's 12 months old, so he's walking and constantly falling on his butt, you know, and hitting it. So it's getting hit. 800 times a day. And every time it would get hit, it would soak up, you know, materials around it and just continue to grow bigger and bigger and bigger. So um, ultimately, she, the doctor said, we are going to operate on this. It is uh, benign. So it's not cancerous, thank God. Um, and essentially, we're going to have surgery, we're going to take this thing out. And um, he should be fine. Uh, and then COVID entered our lives. So surgery got postponed. And meanwhile, during this whole time, Eli is expressing a speech delay. He's not talking. Um, he was making eye contact, not like great, but he was having some eye contact. And so anytime I would bring some of these concerns up to the doctor, it was always okay, well, it's probably because of this tumor. We need to focus on this tumor. We need to get this tumor taken care of. Um, and also the classic, you know, oh, well, boys just talk later. So let's not worry about it right now. Like, let's focus on this major issue. So um, jump to, it was September of 2020. He had this lipoblastoma operated on. It was a six hour procedure to get this thing taken out. And at the time of the operation, um, it had grown to the size of like a grapefruit in between his legs. So in between a 12, you know, or an 18 month old legs, it was huge. It was affecting his gait, the way he was walking it was affecting. I could barely get the car seat buckled on him. Um, diapering was becoming a major issue because this huge thing was in between his legs. So... He went under the surgery. It was successful. Thank God he got it taken care of. And we just were under the assumption that like this trauma was behind us. We were going to move forward and everything was going to be great. Um, and again, Eli was 
verbalizing, he, everything was da. So da, 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 but that was it um, at 20 months. Um, so then on Christmas Eve, I discovered I was pregnant with our second son. And um, my pregnancy with Luke, our second, also went off without a hitch um, towards the beginning. And then at our, my 20-week ultrasound, the um, person doing the ultrasound said, he has short, long bones. That's how she described it to me, meaning like the humerus and the femur were measuring short. But everything else that she was measuring for was correct. So they referred me to maternal fetal medicine with Luke, and I was getting um, ultrasounds done like every other week. I was getting non-stress tests done in between those ultrasounds. And again, it just kept coming back that he had short long bones, but everything else was um, measuring okay. So I remember the uh, ultrasound tech, at, um, she, she essentially said, you know, whenever it comes to these sorts of things, a lot of times that could mean a chromosomal anomaly, but it's almost always accompanied by other issues, heart defects, neck folds. Um, there was a series of tests that the uh, baby had to do within like three minutes or something, um, how many kicks the baby did, how many times the baby would open and close its hands. And Luke, um, my son, you know, passed that with flying colors. So I remember on uh, 4th of July weekend, she said, okay, I want you to go home and just celebrate because, you know, your husband's side of the family, um, they're, they're short. So, you know, maybe he's just going to be short stature and like everything else is fine. He could be just fine. Um, I will also say at the 20 week ultrasound, they discovered that my cord was straight and which essentially can mean um, that the baby's not getting enough oxygen and things like that. Um, but then uh, on the 4th of July, it had spontaneously coiled. So everything was kind of going the way it should be. And so I was on cloud nine again. Um, meanwhile, we had bought a house. We had moved. Eli was still not really talking. It was COVID time, so he wasn't getting a lot of social interaction. So everything that was being delayed with Eli was being chalked up to, he's got a lot of changes going on in his life. He, you're pregnant, you're moving, it's COVID, this, that, and the other thing. Um, and so that's where my head was. I did get him evaluated by a speech pathologist. Um, there was like a free 30 minute consultation that she did over Zoom. And I remember it was the same thing. She said, well, he would maybe benefit from speech therapy, but it's all online right now. Um, so, and you know, for a two year old who was running all over the place, I was like, mm, we'll just pass on that. And you know, he's a boy, he's gonna be fine. He'll start talking. So cut to um, the end of July, my water broke at 33 weeks. And I it broke at 2.30 in the morning. Um, I drove myself to the hospital and my husband stayed home with Eli who was sound asleep. And um, they said, yep, your water has broken and your son is breech. So you're gonna need a C-section. And 
I was just devastated. And I thought, okay, you know, but everything was still measuring okay. So we waited till 34 weeks. They had given me um, two shots in my butt to help his lungs expand, um, two steroid shots. And then at 34 weeks exactly, they delivered Luke via cesarean section. And I'll never forget, I remember the doctor pulled him out and they kind of show the baby through the little um, cut out in the screen, you know, and I remember looking at him and just thinking, oh, he doesn't look like what I thought he was going to look like. Like, that's the only kind of thought that ran through my head. And I remember maybe thinking like his eyes are kind of puffy, but he wasn't born vaginally. He was cesarean. So why is that? And like, these are just, that's all I kind of thought of. So then they whisked him away. My husband went up to the NICU with Luke. And uh, the doctor sewed me up and they wheeled me next door out of um, the operating room. And I remember they immediately hooked me up to the breast pumps and the nurse said, okay, we got to get you pumping because you've got a NICU baby and he needs that colostrum. So let's get going. And so I'm hooked up to pumps like minutes after surgery. And my husband then comes down from the NICU um, and he's showing me all the pictures that he took of Luke and he goes, oh my gosh, he's so cute and he's doing so well. He's just on a little bit of oxygen, but everything else is looking really good and he's doing great. And he was just so excited and happy that Luke was okay. And then a few minutes after that, uh, one of the neonatologists came down to the recovery room and the first thing she said was, well, I don't like to give this news in the operating room. And immediately my heart sank and I thought, okay, something's wrong. <sighs> and she said, um, we suspect that your son has Down syndrome. And I just, I said, are you sure? And she said, we're 99% sure. And I, I just, my, my heart sunk. I'll, truly, it felt like I was swimming through jello after she said that. I don't remember a ton. Uh, I remember she kind of went through the different types of Down syndrome. Luke has trisomy 21, which is the most common kind of Down syndrome uh, there is. And it was it was just such a shock. It was completely shocking. I had gone through all of these tests and no one suspected it. No one brought that to my attention that this was a possibility. Um, so Luke spent five weeks um, in the NICU, mostly learning to, to suck and swallow and, and working on, on things like that. Um, and while he was in the NICU, he also failed both of his newborn hearing screens. So um, they said that can happen sometimes, especially like during a C-section, the water gets stuck in the baby's ears. So it's totally normal. Like you're going to just go to an audiologist um, and get it retested in a few months. And I was like, great. You know, we had all this other stuff to worry about. So Luke came home and that was the first time that I was introduced to early intervention. Um, so they said, here's the number for early intervention. You're going to want to get Luke in there. So I signed Luke up for early intervention. And I also signed Eli up at that point. I had both of them get evaluated. Um, both of them qualified for early intervention. Um, Luke or Eli, uh, my older son, got speech therapy. 
again, it was virtual and I'm not hundred percent mm-hmm. sure why, because Luke's therapies were all in home. Um, so he can, so Eli had speech therapy for a few months virtually. And then when he graduated out of early intervention, he qualified for the school system, which was the best thing for Eli. So, um, he got into school. Meanwhile, Luke was in physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy, feeding, nutrition, hearing therapy, all of the therapies. Um, and I had people in and out of my home constantly. Um, whenever Eli got to school, they gave him an AAC device, which completely changed our lives. It was amazing for Eli. Um, and then during that time, we took Luke into the audiologist to get his hearing tested. And it was uh, determined that he does have a um, profound hearing loss in his left ear, and he has a partial hearing loss in his right ear. So his left ear, they call it a dead ear, which is horrible, but that's what they call it. Um, He likely Mm -hmm. will never have hearing that ear. And then his right ear, he um, wears hearing aids. Um, When he tolerates it, he's now two, so he'll put them in his mouth, uh, which is super great. We love that. and then Luke also just had some other minor, he wore a helmet for about nine months. His, his um, head was a little misshaped. Um, and so then after Eli got to school and he still wasn't talking and he was um, placed in um, a special ed class, I went ahead and made, made an appointment for a clinical psychologist to get him evaluated for autism. And I think and we, we were on a wait list for like six months for this evaluation. And I just kept putting it off. I think I wasn't ready for him to get evaluated. I, I couldn't accept if that was the diagnosis. I just couldn't accept it. I had no history with special needs ever. Like I just wasn't surrounded by it growing up. And so, and then I felt like I was shoved into the deep end of special needs when my children were born. So we waited six months for this evaluation um, and it was like a two and a half hour phone consult where this woman was asking me every question under the sun about everything, you know, how did he breastfeed? Did he bottle feed? When did he crawl? When did he walk? All of these things. And then we went in and we had him evaluated uh, by an OT and a, a speech therapist. And then in her clinic, you know, she had him do all the tests. Can you blow the candle from the birthday cake. Can you take these blocks and make it look like a choo-choo train? Um, And so then she finished her evaluation and she said, okay, I'm going to write up my report and um, we'll have a Zoom meeting in a couple days and we'll go over my findings and I'll tell you what I think. So um, this was close to Luke's first birthday. And I remember I was sitting outside on my deck and I opened my computer up and she popped up on the screen on on Zoom and she had her like PDF of the report that she, and she said, okay, I I don't want you to look ahead. We're just going to go through this together. um, And we're going to go through everything that I found one by one. And the second she started talking just by her tone, I, I, my heart started to kind of sink a little and I was like, oh my God. And so she went through everything. And at the end of the day, she said, um, and I am going to go ahead and diagnose um, Eli with level one autism and PTSD from medical trauma. And 
the first thing out of my mouth yet again was, well, are you sure? And she said, I'm 99% sure. And it was just deja vu all over again with these diagnoses. And I immediately burst into tears and it just, it felt like everything changed, even though nothing changed. It felt like everything changed. So that diagnosis um, allowed me to um, take the steps that I needed to take to get Eli into occupational therapy. We also put him in physical uh, pelvic floor physical therapy because his gait had been strained from this tumor. Um, and then I probably went a little overboard with the speech. He was getting speech at school. Plus, we had a speech therapist coming to our home. And then I also got him into speech in a clinical setting as well. I thought with Eli getting the that's, clinical, the home, not and the school. Yeah. That's, thank you for saying that. Because at the it, time, it, I had people saying... It, it, on a, oh. No, I'll, I'll tell you, I did the same yeah. thing. And you, yeah. I could tell you people's different approaches and, and people, you, I, I was able to streamline goals, right? So making sure that the assessments were all similar um, mm -hmm. and, and their findings and what their goals and targets were. So it was like helping him generalize. It was helping him acquisition and um, form speech more rapidly. Yes. And, um, you know, now I have a child that is speaking, Yeah. you know, he's not, he still has articulation disorder. He still doesn't have the full, he's not up to the full repertoire of what would be considered his, his age group, but it is still continuously developing. And, you know, there's, you know, he was, Rory had, was in equine therapy. We had private speech and we had school speech. And so we, we had three different speaking things to, to try to, um, I want to not indicate, but, uh, what is the word to, again, to, to make, try to form, form speech, get it moving, try to, to instigate it, agitate. Um, and, you know, and, and now he's not doing that. He's not even doing that full range of therapies. Those things have completely scaled back. He right now, he still has private speech and school speech, but it's, not a heavy load, if that yeah. makes sense. Um, and he also has a ACC, AAC mm -hmm. device. So, mm -hmm. um, yes, don't think you did it overboard. How old is no. Eli now, right now? Eli is four. How old? He is four years old. He'll be five in January. And Luke is two and a half. I just oh, want to jump. I just yeah. want to jump in really quick because I want to highlight something that you said. And it, I want to highlight it because I know that it will resonate with everybody who's listening. And it is something that I said, if you were to go back to my very episode about my story, I said, I broke down into tears and I was confused because even though she was the exact same giggly, happy, silly Gracie, everything was different. Yes. And I just like, you brought me to tears hearing it come from you. <laughs> and I just want to highlight that because all of us have this intense love for our children. And I think a lot of the fear that comes in that moment 
it doesn't have anything to do with, you know, them being enough or their worthiness. It's our own worthiness. And we fear being enough for them. And so I just wanted to bring that up because I know. 100%. And I know, and you're the first person who's like said it in those words that was so similar to mine, but I can just, I need to look at my, Gene, am I close to my period? Why am I crying? Um, <laughs> yes. Um, I go through phases. Are. I go through uh, crying phases. We, um, we are. And I was going to actually point that out. That okay. I was like, you're right. making Shannon cry right now. Okay. Um, yeah. Which is, which is, is, is a rare occurrence. I'm, yeah. But lately, man, anywhere near my period, I'm a crier now. But I think it was something about hearing the same thing come out of your mouth that was so, so similar. And I just know it did. It felt very similar. Yeah. It felt very similar to hearing Shannon talk. Yeah. Um, and she didn't know your story. We didn't tell that's, her anything that's about That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Besides that, we were just all, we were all. And they were like, all in oh, love with love you. love her. Yeah. So, <laughs> nobody probably even knew I was on the, on the episode today because I just sat back here and I was just like listening to everything that you said. Um, but I do, I just want to highlight that because I think it's so, so relatable for everybody who's listening. Yeah. Um, and then we interrupted you and you were oh, talking no, about speech. Right. You, you talked about how much right? you thought you went overboard mm-hmm. um, I mean, and that how was, much he was doing and yeah, um, so it he just, was doing physical therapy. Her, her diagnosis, it was, it, it, it grounded me and it's, and it was very much like, okay, Colleen, um, this isn't changing. This isn't going to miraculously go away. Like some doctors said it would, we need to, do everything we can to help him um, be the best that he can be. And he loves speech. You know, speech is like, it was four time fun, you know, therapy. So he was like, yay, I get to go jump on a trampoline for an hour. Woohoo. Um, and then, you know, throughout that time, we, Luke had surgery um, to correct some eye things and, um, tonsils and atenoids removed and Eli had ear tubes, which actually the ear tubes really helped his hearing, which was bizarre because you get a hearing test before you go into speech therapy. And he had always passed his hearing test. Great. But the ear tubes seemed to really um, help blossom his speech. And so he now is talking really recently started talking and it has been the most miraculous thing. I have a friend who calls them inch stones instead of milestones. Mm -hmm. And I I love love that that so much. Oh my gosh. And it's just with my two kids, seeing them reach these inch stones is, it feels like a miracle. It really does. And it's, it's so, it's so cool now that I've kind of accepted it. And I will say like, sometimes I'm, I'm still like, it's still hard to process. And the episode that brought me to your podcast was the episode you guys did about family planning and about the future and whether or not to have more children, because that is something that I grapple with every single day because I have two children who have special needs and what does that future look like? And what I have to mourn the parenting Mm -hmm. Um, style that I thought I was going to have, you know, I thought I was going to have X, Y, Z, and now it's this and being okay with mourning that knowing that that's okay to, and I'm not a bad mom for like being sad. Um, Mm -hmm. 
that's important, I think, to to understand too. And my children's mm-hmm. special needs are also completely different. Eli is like boom, 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 fast, fast, fast. Everything has to be going crazy, and he is constantly listening to loud music and repeating over and over and over songs. Meanwhile, Luke, he's just a take it easy kind of guy and he's slow and steady wins the race kind of a kiddo. (laughs) And so dealing with two opposites in the same house is hard and it's a challenge. And um, do they struggle with that? Like does Luke struggle sometimes because Eli is so like, loud and rambunctious and sensory seeking? A little. Is that a struggle? When he was younger, not so much because he just kind of took everything in and he would just watch Eli (laughs) move across the the room. Now, as he's getting bigger, if Eli has an outburst where he starts, you know, like screaming really loud or something, it does bother Luke. And he'll kind of like look like, what? What's going on? Or Luke is a very Mm -hmm. social guy. So Luke is constantly trying to go up to Eli and pull out his hair or grab the toy that he's playing with and then e- and get his attention. And Eli just will walk away and have nothing mm-hmm. to do with Luke most of the time. Yeah. And so that's an interesting dynamic. Something else too is like, I don't know if people realize this, but it is definitely possible for people with Down syndrome to have a dual diagnosis of autism and mm-hmm. Down syndrome. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't realize that. And then, so that's something at two and a half now that Luke is, I, and I don't know if you guys ever experienced this, but I feel like I'm constantly on the lookout for like, oh my gosh, he didn't make eye contact with, or like, he's not making eye contact with me. Do I need to get him evaluated? Oh my gosh, he's, he's hitting his head with a block. Do, is that, is it, does he have a dual diagnosis? I'm constantly thinking things like that. Mm -hmm. And there is a gray area. There are many things that overlap with Down syndrome and autism. Mm -hmm. Um, And at the end of the day, a lot of the interventions, if he was autistic, are the same. Mm-hmm. So I'm not, yeah. I'm trying not to worry myself about it down the line. That's something that, you know, maybe we will need to do. Um, well, and I think that part of that too is you likely have a form of PTSD because of the way that it all went down. And Jean, like we've talked about this and we're trying so hard to have an expert on, you know, to talk about that because of everything that parents go through. So I think it's normal, you know, for you to to question yourself constantly and, and want to, you know, check in and make sure that you're staying on top of that. You said another thing um, that I wanted to ask you about, and that was, you said that Eli started speaking and, mm-hmm. you know, started verbalizing. And, um, I remember when Gracie started speaking and I still like to this day, she's still considered non-speaking, but she has words and she'll communicate with me. But I tell her all the time, I don't know if you feel this way with Eli, but I tell her all the time, your voice is my favorite sound. Yeah. Yeah. I tell her, just talk to me because your voice is my favorite sound in the whole world because it is like you wait so long for those words. Mm-hmm. And then the moment you get them, it's just like, I will listen to you 24 hours a day. Oh, <laughs> like, absolutely. Well, I can tell you I'm on the other side of that. And I'm like, Lori, <laughs> I need you to stop right now. Hold on, bud. Oh, hold on. Whoa. Hold on. I hear you. If you don't, if, if you don't respond to him right away about whatever his mm-hmm. demand or request is, it's like, he is like, it's he's repeat. He's prompting me. He's like, yeah. oh, really prompting me. Like, 
you know, and that's, he's, he's imitating what I do. He's like, well, well, you do it to me when you want me to do something. That's <laughs> yeah. how you get it done. <laughs> Gracie know? just gets pushy. She gets shovey. If you don't listen to her, she's like, Hey lady, I use the words. Like, what do I got to do over yeah. here? Right. I should also I say Eli was diagnosed with apraxia before he was diagnosed with autism. Um, mm-hmm. And his speech therapist at the time, she was like, I don't think he's autistic. I think he has apraxia, which is like where the brain knows what it wants to say, but the, it, it can't, the mouth won't form the words that it needs to say, because that would be Eli. He would, they call it groping where he would go ah, 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 and he couldn't get it out. And then he would have these outbursts because he was so darn frustrated that he knew what he wanted to say. But then he would say, you were talking about, they would say words. We were eating dinner one night and out of the blue, Eli was like, quesadilla, just said it, you know, and we were just being, that's not an easy one either. Right. Just this, you know, (laughs) four syllable words casually, you know, and we're like, Oh my gosh, you know, but then he would never say it again. He said it one time and then Mm -hmm. that was it. Um, Yeah. I remember talking to a friend and saying, you know, I'm never going to know what it's like to hear the words mama. My kids are never going to call me mama, you know, and those types of things is where, you know, I, I was in a state of mourning. It felt like for a long time, but I want to go back to my old self and just be like, never say never, because I mean, both my kids are so capable. And, um, Mm -hmm. Just the other day, I could cry telling this story, but Eli has started speaking in like full sentences and without prompting, we were getting ready for bed and he just said, my wubby you mommy. And I, oh. I took everything in me to not like <laughs> scream because I was like, did you just say that? Did you, did you, did you just say that? Did you say it? Say it again. Say it again. Of course he didn't <laughs> say it again, but I heard it and I was like, oh. I've heard it. Like, that's all I've ever, that's all I need. I'm done, you know? Mm-hmm. And he's able to express his, his needs now, which is just the tantrums immediately tanked once he was able to, to verbalize more. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, do you, what, what is, how is Luke's speech? Because he also has the, he has hearing. Exactly. How is that? How is he, how is he? How's his speech going? When when we got the hearing diagnosis, I immediately, again, I just went pessimistic and put him in a box. And I said, oh, well, there you go. His brother has a speech delay. He has Down syndrome. And now he has this hearing loss. He will never speak, you know. Um, however, from the get-go, Luki is, is a little jabberbox. He's not um, saying any words. However, he will um, da da that kind of like Eli da 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 da, and he's really um, verbalizing a lot more. He will say, "I did it," and it sounds like he's saying, "I did it," but I don't know. I'm gonna just say that's what he's saying, but he'll say it all mm-hmm. the time. I did it. I did it. Um, so it's coming along. He is in um, speech therapy, and he'll be in speech therapy. Um, for a, a, a really long time. Something interesting about Down syndrome, I never was aware of. Um, I thought, you know, people with Down syndrome tend to have a certain cadence to the way that they speak. And I thought it was because cognitively they're delayed. But actually, Down syndrome um, people have very low muscle tone. They're born that way. And low muscle tone affects 
every muscle in your body, including your tongue and your mouth and your jaw. So a lot of times what they are saying that may sound um, slow, but it's just because physically they cannot say it. But if you listen to the words they're saying, instead of what it sounds like, they're very intelligent, Mm -hmm. you know, to put it, put them all in a box. I mean, but yeah, I'm, I'm learning so much and, and yeah, it's, it's a crazy. Are you going to put Luke in in the school system as well? Are you going absolutely? To do that? Yeah. So Luke is two and a half. When he turns three, he will go um, to the same preschool that Eli's going to, and they have a deaf and hard of hearing class at that preschool. So he will be in the deaf and hard of hearing program throughout his his school years. That's amazing. Which is, Oh my gosh, it is so amazing. That's amazing. That's in your district because a lot of times like in our district and just the districts around us, we have to partner with the specialized schools to help Mm us with those students. Yeah. Just like even, even with uh, uh, children who are blind, Mm. um, similar, um, not always, but, but it does end up leading in that direction. But I'll tell you there's schools around here that are for, uh, deaf and hard of hearing and um, for the school for the blind is just they're absolutely amazing Truly. so but it's amazing that it's there and you get to keep your kids in their own community schools and they get to be a part of their community at large um, hopefully for the foreseeable future that's amazing yeah it's amazing we you I need have that said, we are so the the area that we live in is I we're in a suburb where of do you Chicago, live by and Okay. We're, we're in a suburb, a suburb of Chicago, uh, Naperville area, and I feel so blessed. Um, we have, There's a program called Gigi's Playhouse, which is for um, people with Down syndrome. And they've, you know, I've had sign language courses that I've been a part of. And just there are so many resources and so many specialists and doctors that um, are within arms reach of us. Like it's, that's been just a huge, huge blessing for my family um, to have a great team of people. And I will say like my, my husband's family is from Arizona, so they're not nearby. My parents um, are about four hours away from us. So as far as like our people that we have right here, we don't have a ton. I, I have, I've, I've had to learn to reach out to neighbors and teachers which I'm not that person. I'm very much like, I can do this myself. I don't need anybody's help. Let me just figure mm-hmm. it out. And then they have, my kids have forced me to, forced me to, to accept help. Right now, I am in my home for the first time alone ever, which is like crazy <laughs> because my kids are with their grandma and a neighbor um, so that I could record this podcast. Uh, so mm-hmm. like things like that, I would never have like asked the neighbor for help, but now I do. And my kids are better for it. Like they love it. So um, something else I wanted to mention that was really helpful for me when I did get Luke's diagnosis um, in particular was I went on Instagram and I saw other families with kids with Down syndrome and it absolutely changed any prior thought that I had about that syndrome and I saw these kids just like laughing and living their life to the fullest and running and playing and joking and happy and it was completely like it it changed my entire perspective on that 
And so I created like an account for Luke. And then what I did inadvertently was I had my original Instagram account. And then I kind of created like a special needs account. And I found that that's really helped me in my life to separate the two sides, I guess, to my life. So if I'm following a therapist or anything special needs related, I will do it on Luke's account. And then my account is for like dumb, like Kardashians or like, you know, silly, like (laughs) improvement stuff, like things that um, Mm -hmm. have nothing to do with parenting and nothing to do with special needs because I've found that I need a break sometimes at the end of the day when the kids Mm -hmm. go to sleep, when I go to bed and I'm scrolling or whatever, to not be fully submersed in that. So that's just like something I wanted to mention. If somebody else is out there, like, and and you just feel like it's coming at you all the time, like, oh, because I would feel like, oh, I'm not doing enough. I have to do this and I have to do that. And more therapy Mm -hmm. to just take a break and say like, okay, your kids are happy and they're healthy. They're fed. It's okay. You can like, just be a mom and look at like dumb mom. Kardashians. <laughs> Kardashians. <laughs> My husband always asks me like, how can you watch some of like real housewives, you know, yes. or whatever. And I'm like, because sometimes at the end of the day, I need entertainment that I do not have to think about. <laughs> I just need something ridiculous. Something just silly. Yeah. 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 Oh, gosh. So. I think you are. Wow. I think that you're doing amazing for how you've gotten thrown into this world um, of walking and navigating your child's needs. And we've talked about it on other episodes, especially when we did the grief series about how there's many of us enter this. There's no prototype. There's no thumbprint. We don't have an example to follow or that is led by being this type of parent. And especially when your kids have a multitude of different exceptional needs in your case. And it was kind of like, it just, you kind of kept getting blindsided about it. And that's the, the very, that's the, one of the things that is peculiar um, in this world. Sometimes parents know before their child is born and there's a different process and there's a different level of preparedness that those parents go through um, before their child is born. It's almost kind of like you're able to readjust your sales, but when you are kind of toting along, mm-hmm. you know, th- being thinking everything is, is quote unquote normal and typical, you know, it is, it, it, it's a, it is a alternate experience. Yeah. Um, though we all are part of the same club, it's almost like those, those experiences are just almost totally different in, in many ways. And I, so when you, I remember when you originally told, told your story to us, giving us some, some pieces about, you know, what, what things look like when you were getting that 20 week sonogram and, and how they were kind of seemed like they were planting the seed that something could be wrong. Then they were, they convinced you otherwise, mm-hmm. you know, and they actually threw out and and to me for a while. They said, well, he's just short. Um, there's, but he, he had a higher percentage of dwarfism than any other like um, chromosomal anomaly. You know, so there was a period of time where I thought of that. And then they threw that out and said, no, that's not what we think this is. 
it was crazy. And I have had a lot of people ask me, well, why didn't you get, you know, there is a test for Down syndrome that you can get done at like 10 weeks. And when I got pregnant with Luke, I was 32. And I, at least where I, my insurance doesn't cover that testing unless you're, I think, over 40 um, or maybe over 35, something like that. So because women that are older have a higher um, chance of having um, a chromosomal anomaly. Yeah. And so I declined it and I didn't think anything of it. I thought, oh, well, I don't have anything that runs in my family. Like I don't, I don't want to spend the money on something that I don't probably don't need. That might be benign. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 It's crazy. Yeah. But so are you, do you have, are you finding, have you made time to make sure that you have like peer to peer support in your life right now, now that we're coming out of COVID and you have pretty, you know, grounded where they are with their current diagnoses um, at the moment, are you, are you finding, are you carving that pathway for yourself? Yeah, I, um, it's interesting. I have like my Down syndrome mom friends and then to be honest, it's really hard, at least for me, I found it harder to find autism mom friends. Um, but it's, it's definitely been separate. So I have yet to find another family who has both in their lives. Um, and, or, and anything, both like a family that has a child with autism and cerebral palsy or something. I, I haven't seen that a lot. And so, but I know it's out there. I know there are people out there that are experiencing these things. Um, so that's been interesting because I do have this amazing group of Down syndrome mom friends and we chat all the time and talk, but then, you know, something will happen with Eli and I feel like I can't reach out to them or they, it's, it's not the same, you know, they, it's different. They don't get the autism side of things and vice versa Mm -hmm. because it is such a different um, dynamic. So that's why Instagram's been nice to be able to, you know, kind of see a window into other people's lives or like, to be honest, your podcast is like, I'm like, Oh, they're my mom friends because (laughs) I listen to you guys. And I think like, Oh my gosh, that's exactly what I'm feeling. That's exactly what I'm going through. Um, whenever you share things, um, or like the school system and, and navigating that whole new world. Um, so that's why your podcast has just been so invaluable to my life because truly you, you guys are my mom friends, (laughs) my autism mom friends. No, we're, and we totally treasure that and that we do not take Mm -hmm. that for granted, not for an ounce and anything, if anything, that only reinforces what we're doing and con- wanting to continue to do it because we know the need is that grand. It's that large. Um, I remember feeling, having similar experiences um, when Rory was under five and I started actually meeting other special needs parents through even through Texas parent to parent that I often talk about. And it, and it's even specifically some of the moms I was meeting that had kids with Down syndrome or even moms that had kids that were cancer kids. Mm-hmm. It was almost like 
you were shut out of the conversation. You couldn't have conversations about your child with autism because their kid has cancer or their this kid down syndrome. Like it was almost like there was no room for those conversations to happen. And so it was like, but we're all on the same team for the most part where we are navigating these complex systems of healthcare and school and families. And, but yet I know there's a, there's a other nuanced fears that definitely differentiate between all of those different experiences for sure. And I do not negate them, but it definitely was, it was a heartbreaking experience for me at times because mm-hmm. it was like, but I really like you and I want us to, I want you to, you know, lean into me and I want to be able to lean into you because I was so hungry for that, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I think though, as time has went on though, I will say those particular moms. And now that my son is older, we still have shared commonalities and interests and go and talk to each other. Um, and now um, that my son is in special Olympics and Shannon's daughter just started special Olympics too. That has connected all of our, those fam- other families too that have children have a vast variety of different disabilities. Um, and we all are finding solace in each other and that community, um, because we weren't really getting it anywhere else. So, but it's, but it's all goes back to that, having that diversified experience. You can't just have your autism mom friends. You can't just have your down, you for you You can't just have your down syndrome Mm -hmm. mom friends. You know, we also can't just have our own, you know, special needs mama friends. We got to be able to have different multitudes and it takes time to develop that, but you're prioritizing that. And I, I typically, you know, we've, when we've had guests on other moms from our community, we really haven't driven the conversation, um, totally that way because we're telling the story, but I think, um, because I do mentor other moms and some other moms from our community, I know that they're hungry for that piece. They're trying to develop self-care plans. Um, and so I wanted to bring your, bring your experience full circle and talking and opening up about that and where you are with that and what you're experiencing, because I know like it resonated with me that you shared that. I know that where you are with, with your kids, it's because I'm sure, again, there's more people out there that have kids that have, uh, kids with multiple comorbidities and, um, yeah, you know, and more, more than one child with a disability, you know, and not the same disability. And so I, your, your story is profound for so many reasons because of the timeline of which it happened when it was happening, Mm -hmm. um, and where you guys are now. And, um, we love you. We love you. We just, we really, we do love you. And we hope that everyone listening is just going to just be as in love with you too. And you will open you up to even having a larger span of community. I'm excited to see mm-hmm. um, what the response is going to be because every single time we have someone that tells a story that has something that very compelling parts to it that resonates with them that they start to attach themselves to those people. And I think there's something amazing that's just going to come out of, of you telling your story. You are so so much for that. I think so too, because I, 
I think that this sort of thing is just so important because the girls can tell you like, I was struggling this morning. I left a Marco Polo this morning. Cause that's how we communicate is via Marco Polo. Um, and just like over the top stress, I mean, you and I chatted a little bit before we recorded Colleen, but didn't get into the nitty gritty, but like just sitting here for 45 minutes to an hour and talking to you. And it has nothing to do with the issues and the problems that I'm dealing with and Gracie's struggles and everything else, but just like taking the time in 45 minutes and just having a conversation with somebody who gets it, mm-hmm. not even addressing any of the other problems. Like I feel like, I feel like you're my therapist, Colleen. Like I feel so much better today just because of our last 45 yes. minute phone conversation. Yes. And, but that is, that's the power of connection. That's the power right. of relatability and being able to just have a conversation with someone who just really understands your life. So I'm so thankful that you came on today. I'm so thankful that you came into our circle. Um, and I'm glad that you found us via the podcast because that was the whole point. We were, we were, lonely chicks who felt like nobody understood us yeah. <laughs> and we we just knew everybody else you know must feel that way too that was the whole reason we, and we started do. the podcast you guys are rock stars right. i mean just to take the idea and actually act on it and do it do the thing like you guys like gold stars amazing because truly you're changing lives it's important what what you guys well, we appreciate we that. needed it yeah, we were struggling. Yeah, we were all and very. I mean, even at. I remember when you when I when I when we met you and we did the initial screening. I was like, I was so much like her where that where she is right now with my kids being under. It, there is when they are five and under. It is, it's almost like you're in a different realm. And also same thing with like eight and t- 10 and under, you know, and then once you get into adolescence. So even though they still are all different or on different levels or spectrums of their diagnoses, even as they grow, there are different seasons and demands that are kind of universal within those kind of age bounds. And I think that's what is also significant about why we wanted to do this podcast is we wanted to give a name to these things that us moms and parents are experiencing yeah, and normalize it mm-hmm. truly, you know, um, because we felt like aliens in yeah. this world that we once felt like we belonged to. Mm-hmm. That's like, we don't belong anymore. Yeah. How, how I'm is a mom, happening to me? How, I'm not that kind of mom. Yeah. Nobody knows what I'm going through. And then, you go, you get on social media and you see these highlight reels of everybody else with these, you know. Oh, Shannon loves to talk about oh, that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's brutal. It's Don't get me brutal. started. <laughs> it's it is brutal. I will unfollow you if you are highlight really. You are not my friend anymore. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah. You get the boot, man. You get the boot. So Colleen, would you like to partake in our daily or our weekly practice of our peak of the week? Oh my gosh. This is like my dream coming true. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. Well, would you like to go first? Do you want to share what your peak is and then then we'll go? Or do you want us to go first? Okay. Um, Go ahead. I guess I'll go. Okay. Um, So I sort of mentioned it earlier, but I, this week, two different things. So I was dropping Eli off at school. 
two days ago. And we stand outside and we wait for like the monitor to open the doors to go inside. So we're standing outside waiting and he's looking at the leaves on the ground and waiting. And she opens the door and he grabs me by the coat and he pulls me into him and just plants a big old kiss on my lips and pushes me away and says, I love you, mom. And he walks in (laughs) and he turns around and says, I go play at school. And I just, (laughs) just, they're like, Oh my gosh, that really happened because he just never does stuff like that. So I just died and went to heaven. So that was amazing. And then little Lukey this week um, started pulling up on our coffee table all by himself. I was uh, getting Eli something to drink and I turned around and Luke was just standing at the coffee table, just standing by himself. (laughs) And I just froze and I was like, oh my gosh, he's he's standing. He, he did it by himself. He got there. So, and we got his walker in the mail this week. So he's going to get his little walker and start walking. So I'm excited. Yeah. I was watching your Instagram and you have the reel of him doing his pike. (laughs) It's like (laughs) the cutest thing I've ever seen. I was just watching it this morning, drinking Uh my coffee. Like, Oh my God, I love this reel. Every day with that. Yeah. It's so adorable. (laughs) Shannon, do you want to share? Um, sure. Besides um, crying. I know. I know. What can I share? That's not going to make me cry. Um, well, this morning I dropped off Gracie and her aide and I both had a very good laugh because, so I am very, I allow my children to color on themselves. Like you do you, it's marker, you wash off. We have a bathtub. It's cool. Like tattoo. I like tattoos, like go for it, you know? But this morning I came out after it because I had to get ready because I had an appointment this morning and I come out and I look at Gracie and I'm like, you took this one to the next level, sis. Um, I sent her to school looking like a Smurf today. (laughs) She (laughs) had colored both of her hands. So like top and bottom of her hands, both of her feet blue with a Crayola marker. Um, But anybody who like actually uses markers understands that washable markers are only really so washable. Like if it sits on your skin for too long, it's not going to come out. But then she had also proceeded to like eat breakfast and then she like wiped her hand, you know, across her face. So then she had like blue on her face. And um, so I delivered my own little Smurfette to school today and um, we washed her as much as we could. That's awesome. Let's be real. And I just stood there and I was like, you know what I love is that she's like, cool, I'm blue. Like she doesn't give a I am gonna expect uh uh I'm blue uh real. I won't expect oh that music God. and that Why didn't I get video? Yes, I feel like that was a very big missed opportunity. I mean chances are she'll come home with marker on herself also because I told so, her so chances are Chances are there's going to be a repeat. There will be a repeat, but will it be blue? Maybe a different I mean, color. Yeah. <laughs> there's not a song purple, you know, um, but I've told her aid too. like, if she wants to color on her hands and her arms at school, I really don't care. Like we can bathe her. It's fine. I'm not worried about it. There's bigger problems in the world, right. Than her coloring herself blue. So it was just funny. And I, sh- I had to show her the Smurfs on YouTube this morning because she didn't, she doesn't watch the Smurfs. So I'm like, Gracie, look, you look like Smurfette. And I was like trying to show her the Smurfs on YouTube and, she did not care at all for Smurfette in any way, shape, or form. But it just gave me a good chuckle after having a stressful morning. Um, so 
Yes. So speaking of stress, I am completely stressed and overwhelmed myself. And um, we've have a lot of coordinating that we've been doing with the podcast. And I all I'd, I couldn't keep track of what what was on the agenda totally for today, because there were things that were getting added and other things that we were prospectively doing and then not doing. And that came off the list. And, you know, there's a lot of things like flying around and we're also, we're all juggling the, you know, the rest of our lives. And I just put a text. I said, guys, can someone just tell me what the, what the agenda is today? And I'll let you know if I can, I can be there. And then I was relieved when I saw that it was going to be us talking to you um, because why, even though I was so overwhelmed and I knew I needed the pause, I needed the, I need those moments, like Shannon said, to take myself out of that. Um, and just, you know, and, th- and these aren't forced conversations because mm-hmm. it's centered around your life and your story. So we don't have to really drive it. We're just here to support it and get scaffolding, but it's not like, you know, it's not like when we're generating a topic or a concept. So I just knew I needed that for myself. So you are my peak, Colleen. And you gave us some new little um, mantras to add to our list of things um, that we say frequently. And I really liked the alternative to instead of saying milestones, saying, what is it? Was it inch stones? Inch stones. Inch stones. Inch stone. I, That's going to be added. So when you hear it on the pod... Colleen, no, it's you. Oh we're my thinking gosh. of you. Yeah. Honored, honored. <laughs> I mean, we're just we we will make sure that you have credit. You recognize and give credit <laughs> uh, where credit, credit is nice. owed. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, as we collect these little nuggets along the way, and that's how the wisdom grows. And I think that is just so precious. And I think um, we will that will be very profound to continuously share with our community and put, keep things into perspective Yeah, because the milestones sometimes mm-hmm. and the yardsticks, they all just seem way too big and too grand. <laughs> <Yep>. Let's, <laughs> let's yep. narrow it in, yes. reel it in. So, oh, thank so you. thank you for that. But, thank um, you. And then um, let's, uh, I want to close it out off always, you know, we are so, again, we're grateful you're, for your time that you were able to, find childcare today. Um, you're, you spent your alone time with us in your house. <laughs> um, so we even feel more flattered that, that you did that. And um, for our listeners out there, if you, again, this, this resonated with you, Colleen, do you want to, do you mind leaving your handle on Instagram here sure. on the podcast so yeah. that way they know how to find you? Thanks. Yeah. Um, find you? Luke's um, Instagram, it's called Our Life with Luke. Um, and that's on Instagram. And so it's primarily focused on Down syndrome awareness, but you can definitely um, see Eli and making cameos on that on that account. So that's where I, I share a lot of my special needs stuff. Good. Yeah. Thank, thank you. you. Um, and um, so and any feedback from any of our listeners, you know, write a review for whatever you you, wherever you're listening to this podcast or you find us on Instagram and in our community, um, either on our post or in our DMS, we are completely accessible to you that way. Um, we love, love to hear from you when that happens. That's how more families are able to find us and y'all can help find each other too. Um, and we have an awesome website now. 
Don't forget that momstalkautism.com um, where I can at least tie you directly into listening to the podcast or learn more about us individually if you want to or need to, if you don't get enough of us here. Um, and we have a merch shop. So if you want any swag, you know, we have that now and that's continuing to grow and evolve. And, um, so we also are open to any ideas and suggestions you have there, things of wants and needs. And so thanks everyone for listening today. It is always a pleasure to have you. We appreciate and respect your time that you spend with us. And until next time, we will catch you on the other side. This is Jean signing off. <laughs> Bye, Bye guys. Thank you. Bye. Bye.